are. <laughs> Bill and Brenda, would you come? They're going to minister to us today, and Sue and I are going to give out the emblems. Ah, what a, what a, what a glorious time. We can partake of communion after entering his gates. And we get to approach his throne of grace. Oh my, I'm ready. Come. I am so thankful for forgiveness. And this reminds me that the whole reason why Jesus went to the cross was for us. That we could have life and life abundantly. And as I envisioned the cross, what Christ did for us on that cross, it's nothing that we deserve, but he did it because he loved us so much. And I can envision the veil being ripped. And that's the greatest miracle, is that veil, the inner, inner temple, when it was ripped open. And I just thank the Lord so much for what he's doing in this church. And I want to thank you for leading us, Suzanne, into worship. It was wonderful. And I'm so glad we're doing communion now because, well, our hearts are prepared. And I thank you for all you worshipers because we worship. And we were filled with the Holy Spirit. And on this wise is why we do communion. We do this to remember what Christ did for us. All about what Christ did for us. And how undeserving we are. But yet, he says, through my blood, I have made you whole. Through my blood, you are my children, and I died for you. And now, because I died for you, you have a right to come boldly to the throne room of my Father. And I thank you, Lord, for the power of your word that it will be applied to each one of our lives. That we read and we know it's his love for us. I just want to thank you all. And as we do communion, we will remember the greatest sacrifice of all was Jesus Christ. I can't read it. And that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your precious body that was broken for us on Calvary. And you said it is finished. We have life. And now as we take this, 
bread in remembrance of you. We thank you. Let us all partake. After the same manner, also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever eateth this bread and drinketh this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the whole body and the blood of the Lord. Lord, your blood just covered my sins. Your blood heals. Your blood is all atoning. And now, my dear family, as we partake of this cup, remember that we have been forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let us partake together. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you. God bless you all. Thank, thank you, Brenda. Um, bless you, Brenda. Bless you all. She said, uh, her family. I, I feel the same way. I don't want to be anywhere else right now, except with you. Because with, with Jesus, you guys, my family, make me better. You make me better because Jesus is in you. And, and he's in me. And I, I just, I just, I, I glory in today. Because he is, he is here right now. He's right here with us right now. Just bless you. And I, and I, sometimes I look at the clock too much. But if anyone has anything to share, this is a good time. If something's burning in you, you could just keep it a little short because I want to talk too. <laughs> but that's okay. But bless you. Bless you. Some of you know that I've been over on the island this week because I got a phone call on Monday from my cousin. We grew up like brothers. I spent as much time in his house almost as I did on my own. I was there every weekend. And we were rascals, I have to admit. But we've always had a bond like brothers. But he's in hospice, and cancer is, is taking a bad toll on him. And it's very close to the end. And I wanted to be there in case there was an opening to share Christ with him. There's always been a resistance, and we'll have to admit, in our family, we can be bonehead stubborn, and the walls wouldn't come down. But you were praying. I met with another cousin that we've been separated for years. The last time I saw her, she was eight years old, and now we're both in our 70s. So we were together, 
and she asked me about my faith. Door open. But I shared, I shared that my faith was in Christ and the hope that we have in Christ. And after I finished, she said, well, I'm leaning towards my, uh, half, a part of my family is native. And she said, I'm leaning towards the spirit that my native family uh, holds to, and I'm not interested. And that was that. So we parted. And anyway, I had another day with my cousin, and I could tell that things weren't changing, and there were some pressing things I needed to be home for. So I got on the ferry, and I went and sat in the front lounge in the ferry. And as I was sitting, there was a gal sitting in front of me, and she seemed very, very restless. But as I looked over the seat, I could see she was studying very hard a book on yoga. And she had notes written all over, and I thought, boy, she's really into this. And, and I drifted around, and I, I looked across that sea of people that were in that front lounge, and it like everybody was gray. And it was so sad to know that I'm sitting in a world where people have no light. Anyway, it, it was sad. And she, she got up, and then she looked over, and she said, what are you write, reading? And I said, a Bible. Well, nobody does that anymore. I said, well, this is the way. I said, uh, or I said, this is the way. And she got up and she walked away and she came back a little while later and she was facing me and could tell that she was trying to ignore me. And I, I said, this is the way because the rest of the world is looking for significance. But if we humble ourselves and we come to God, we can find the way. And she said, I have a phone call to make and sat down. You know, that, that might be discouraging, but you know what? God is always present. He's walking with us, whether the door opens or it closes. We, we just walk in faith, trusting that the end of all things, Christ rules. Uh, I just want to share with you, um, in the past few months, what's been going on with me as far as my type 2 diabetes. Oh, wrong one. Okay, and uh, my type 2 diabetes got to the point where I was 10 in the morning plus for blood sugar, and that's not good. And uh, you're supposed to range between 5 and 7 as a normal person, <laughs> so they say. Anyhow, uh, in the last nine days, because I changed my way of eating pattern, I am now between... 4.1 and 5.9 for the last nine days in a row, right? And, and I'm no longer over 10 at night after my meal. I'm under it, like 9.7 and down. What was it the other night? It was 6.5, I think it was, after the meal, two hours after the meal. This is huge. So now... I've been seeing Mike at the pharmacy save there and also Skye, who's the nutritionist, trying to figure out how we can get that all down. 
now he's calling me his poster boy. But, you know, it's just amazing to watch the difference. And all I did was, instead of eating carbs at night, I have carbs in the morning or early afternoon up to about 3 o'clock. I'll have anything that has to do with carbs. Everything else at night has to be either a salad or meat or whatever, fish. But when I like to snack, I've changed my chips out. I no longer have chips at night. I have nuts and celery and cucumbers and peppers. And I, I can have nuts at midnight and still get up the next morning and not have high sugar at all. So it's, it's a huge change in, in the diet and how, it's, uh, how it uses against our body when we use the wrong things at the wrong time. And uh, I'm, I'm really curious at the end of the month here when I go to do my A1C what it's going to be at because all my figures in the last three weeks have been totally different from where they were before. It's just something that uh, I think God's got a big hand in this too. And it's not just, just the diet, because, I mean, I dropped half of what I was. So Amen. it's amazing. Awesome. So I'm just going to share something. Good morning. The Lord put on my heart. This is from a dream that I had on Sunday night. So it's for the church. You know how we love the church. And um, in this dream, I saw an old toy that I used to play with, and it was called Don't Break the Ice. And it was this little toy the Lord showed me, and it was a plastic little table, and you'd put these imitation plastic bricks like, that would look like little ice cubes in this, in this table. And what would happen is you'd have two players, and you'd have a little plastic man and you'd put this little plastic man somewhere in this little plastic table on top of one of the, the, the bricks or the blocks. And then you'd have two players, and each one would have a little plastic hammer. And the object of the game is that each person would try and hit one of the blocks one at a time, and they would try not to knock the man down. So the person that would win would be the person that would have the last man standing. So what the Lord showed me in this game is that I was literally in this game. And two other people from the church were in this game. And we were kind of in the corner in this game. And so what the Lord showed me is that because we were literally in the game, the enemy was completely trying to hammer us out of the game. But the Lord kept us in play. By keeping enough of the white plastic bricks, the Lord would not allow for the enemy to demolish, <clears throat> destroy, dismantle, tear down what he wanted us to accomplish as a church collective. You see, a hammer is also used to create, to construct, to form, to frame, to model, shape, or accomplish things. As we are going to become a mighty square building team and that we just have to remember that Jesus is the cornerstone of all our decision making and church shaping. A couple of verses for this. 
It's Psalm 118, 22 to 24. And it says, The stone that the builders rejected, which is Jesus, has become the cornerstone or capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. So we should be happy to know that the Lord is keeping us together and holding us up. The Lord is building a creative corner in hope for us so that we can glorify and testify his mighty works in us and through us. As he has and is giving us the tools in order to shape and form up a mighty collective church using the exact building blocks by placing them in such a way in so that the word and his people will be fashioned for fire starting without limits or limitations. Psalm 119.49 says, Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. Just like a gavel, the hammer will be used. The Lord gets to choose what needs to be falling out of the framework. The battle is over before it's even begun. What we do know is that God wins, and those that choose to stay on his side will be protected and held up. So two verses to end this. Second Chronicles 20, verse 17, where it talks about that the battles, it's not ours. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the deliverance of the Lord on your behalf. And in John 16, 33, this is what Jesus says. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Thank you. don't know what I'm saying exactly. Uh, this morning I was reading um, in Luke and about Jesus just um, the transfiguration when he was you know on the mount with the with um, uh, Peter James and John and you know and he met with with uh, Moses and Elijah was it? <laughs> I just read it I'd have that but um and it was talking about how he was transfigured, like he, he was glowing and his clothes were white and he was just, he was completely transformed. And as I was reading it this morning, I was just, I just found myself like, God, it's funny because also just recently the thing about Moses, you know, and how he'd asked to see God's glory. And, and he, again, he came down from the mountain and he was glowing and, and the people couldn't even look on his face. And then we come in today this morning for worship and it was just, and I mean, I don't know how many times we sang about his glory, his glory, his glory. His glory, and I just, because as, as, as I was reading this morning, I just was pausing and just saying, Lord, like, I, I, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be transfigured. I want to glow. I want people to look at me and to know that I've been in the presence of God and to want to, to, to taste that, to want to just experience that. And um, 
And then in worship, we just, <laughs> we came in and we stood in the presence of God and we experienced his glory and we, we got to touch his glory. And I guess I just, when we're in his presence, he is changing us. And he is, I, I just, it's funny because, you know, we, uh, we've been meeting on, on Wednesday nights and sometimes I'll look around the room while we're doing worship and I just, you can see the glow. <laughs> you just see the glow. And um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I just, it's, it's about him. It's about Jesus. It's just about Jesus. And I just encourage you to seek his face. And <laughs> anyways, that's all. you've ever watched that movie, A League of Their Own, it's about uh, during, the, during World War II, all the men went off to fight, so there was no baseball. So a women's league was formed. And in the championship game, Tom Hanks is the coach of the women's team. And when he started, he didn't want to be the coach. He kind of just hung around. But then he got involved. Well, during the warm-up at the beginning of the game, he sees that his team, his girls are ready, and he goes, we're going to win. We're going to win. Do you know that's what we have? The, the, the score is already set. We're going to win. We're going to be victorious. Oh, we go through all of this, you know, like the difficult times, for sure. All of you, COVID and cancer and people dying and but we're going to win we know that that's a given that's assured blessed assurance jesus is mine we're going to win that's just, this isn't even part of my sermon <laughs> this was this was this was yesterday sitting around the table with jan and we're 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 talking about things <laughs> Cancer happened to be one of them. And that's what God gave me. You're going to win. You're going to win. We're going to win. Well, we've already won, right? Um, John 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountain and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. How many times do we uh, get the humanity of Jesus? That he, he was, they tell us he, he was, he's like us. He was like us on the earth, so we could relate to him. I mean, he, was, he still had the attributes of God, but he got tired. He even, he even wept, and he wept blood. It, I mean, it, for some reason, it's just, in, in this scripture, it's related to me. I'm going, oh, God. I mean, you, you went through all of this as Jesus, as God's son, and you were concentrated on the fact that when you walked, he wanted to do his Father's will. 
And that's what our desire must be, is to do his will. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit. This is a little bit different, but it's the same. We have access to that, to that all the time. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people? Jesus was always sensitive to the people. He is always sensitive to us. He saw them coming, and his first thought was, these people need to be fed. And there's 5,000 of them. 5,000 of them. What are we going to do? So he asks, where shall we buy food for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. He asked Philip. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Yesterday in the evening when I was studying, that just absolutely popped out at me. He already knew what he was going to do. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this over there. He knew what he was going to do. I mean, I came to church yesterday. There was a funeral service for our beloved friend Vera, who... 40 years ago made such a difference in my life that I got right with Jesus. And then she nurtured me for probably 10 or 15 years, kept an eye on me, make sure I was on the straight and narrow, and I didn't even know she was doing it. That's how God works. I I talked to her daughter about, you know, you, you just didn't even know it was happening. And Sharon said, my mother was pretty sneaky. She was a little sneaky, but man, she influenced people's lives. That's what God calls us to do. I mean, I came and Val and I ended up being here alone doing stuff. And God had already said, I already know what I'm going to do. And Val heard his voice and ministered to me and blessed me. And encouraged me. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. Remember that. He knows what he's going to do. And it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ liveth in me. That means we get that from him. He unctions us to do that. To do that. To encourage people. TJ. I, I went to share with TJ yesterday. And, and, and we, were, we have a mutual friend who was a, a long-time alcoholic, quit, and I was monitoring it, and the other day I went to his house, and he was drinking again, and I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, well, you started drinking again. So I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to pray for you. And I told TJ, and we go to the same house to give, give food, And she was there, and she told him, listen, I was an alcoholic. You need to stop what you're doing. 
You need to stop. So I was there two days ago, walked in, and I was putting food in their fridge. And I said, so how are you? And, I, and for the longest time, I would go in. The first thing I would do, and he, I was always watching TV, and, and they had a coffee table, and he'd always have a drink on it, and I would make sure it wasn't liquor. <laughs> but I missed that for a while. I wasn't watching. Well, he, he was starting to drink. So I'm, I'm putting the food in the fridge, and I said, so how are you doing? And he says, not good. I said, oh, what does that mean? Well, I, I don't feel well. And I said, and right away, I said, is it COVID? <laughs> he says, no, it's the other thing. <laughs> and I said, well, so what's going on? Well, I'm sicker than a dog, he says. I've been getting sick to my stomach. He had other things, on and on and on. He says, I guess I have to quit for good. I go, yes. <laughs> danced around through the room for a while, told TJ that yesterday, and she got so excited, and I was blessed. I was blessed. God knew what, what was going to happen. Unctioned TJ for that. Heather encouraged me yesterday. Christ is in her. She heard that voice. I, because he knew what he was going to do. And Heather gave that to me, gave Christ to me, and made me feel good. John, John was sharing about this very thing, about ministering to people. And he was looking around, and he was asking God. You know? And it doesn't always work out right, but it doesn't matter. Because he calls you to do it. You never know when that's going to bear fruit. You don't know when that seed is going to sprout. That's not up to you. The thing that's up to you and me is to plant and water. Jesus is the increase. Jesus influences that seed to grow. We need, just need to respond. Heather did that. Suzanne did it to me. We were chatting and she said something to me and I, I was so blessed. And it was my time. I guess. Because I feel great right now. <laughs> Maybe it has something to do with the worship and the praise and the sharing and you guys and communion and that's what you come to church for. <laughs> People, the world doesn't get that, but they're going to get it. Yes. <laughs> they're going to get it whether they like it or not. There's going to be some knots, but there's going to be a lot of people that like it and they're going to choose it. It says that. It's going to pour out his spirit. I'm only a little bit excited. Amen. Where shall we buy this bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. He already had in mind what he was going to do. Remember that line. When you do something, God already knew you were going to do it. That's... That's life-changing for me. God knows what I'm going to do. And let me tell you, strange things happen in my life. Because <laughs> I'm strange, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, no, we're peculiar. We're peculiar people. Philip answered him. Eight months full of faith, right? 
This is, Jesus was testing Philip. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy, and in some translations, I mean, some, some, in, in the Passion it said a young person, but in most it says a little boy. A little boy. In, in the NIV it's, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Remember that small boy. You don't say much about him. But what did he do? Can we read between the lines? Did Philip go, what's in your bag? Oh, two fish and five bread. You want them? That's what he did. That's what the little boy did here. Because if he said no, we'd probably hear about it. <laughs> it would probably be in here if he said no. And, then, and that's an exciting thing. A small boy. A small boy influenced 5,000 people, and we're still talking about it. Thinking, thinking about the, the opportunities we have, the differences that we can make. Then that, that was the first conversation I had with Val. The, the second one is we were laughing and giggling. She, she was trying to give me any kind of food yesterday that was left. And uh, I, I was making choices, but they were all gone. And then she decided that I needed this, this one bowl of uh, taco dip and taco shells. And I said to her, I said, I knew if I hung around long enough and got in your way, you'd give me something. <laughs> and we guffawed and laughed together. Praise the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But she, she listened to God. TJ, Suzanne, Heather. No, there, there was other people, but those are, the, those are the ones that I remember. Dee was looking after my mom at the table, getting her food because her, <laughs> I was trying to talk to everybody at the, at the service. But that opportunity, that little boy, the difference that we can make We've got to remember that. And just think of that. Like, if he was a little boy, his, his mother probably said to him, Are you, you're going to go out with that whole crowd. You're going to need something to eat. Let me prepare something for you. I will give you two fish and five barley loaves. Okay, Mom, I'll take them. And you know, barley loaves were not high on the, the, the scale of like rich people didn't eat barley loaves. Poor people ate barley loaves. Amazing, amazing. One boy just said, here, here, Jesus. You, you do it. You do what you're going to do. And Jesus, what did he say? I, he already knew what he was going to do. And he, and he knew that that little boy had that, those fish and that bread. He knew. He knows all about us. He knows about all our situations we're going to be in. So don't ever think that the situation that you're in is, is too small. Or, or you're not the right size to deal with that. No. 
We need to be sensitive to Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to read a story, and I've read it. I've read it before, but I think some people haven't heard of it, heard it. And usually, Michelle gets a box of Kleenex when I read this. So. <laughs> this is about a little boy, a little boy. And and the reason, the the most important thing I think about it is revival broke up out because of this little boy. This little, um, I think he had. MS or something, cerebral palsy. Many years ago, and it's this Tony Coppola, when I was a young pastor, I was asked to be a counselor at a junior high camp. Everyone should be a counselor at a junior high camp once. For any Roman Catholics who may be reading this, I have to say that I now believe there is a purgatory. I've been there, and it's junior high camp. Junior high boys have a strange and often cruel sense of humor. There's a strong tendency for them to pick on some unfortunate, offbeat kid and ridicule him, making him the brunt of their jokes. This was certainly the case during this particular week in summer camp. They picked on a 13-year-old boy named Billy who couldn't walk right or talk right. He dragged his body across the campground in spaz... spaz spastic fashion, and when he spoke, his words were markedly slurred. The boys at the camp would often mimic his gestures, and they thought that it was funny. One day I heard him asking for directions. I can even hear his almost indiscernible, painfully spoken words. Which way, way is the craft shop? The boy asked, mocking his slurred speech and using convoluted hand language said, it's, it's, it's over there, Billy boy. But the cruelest thing they did was on a Thursday morning, Billy's cabin had been assigned to lead morning devotions, and his cabin mates all voted for him to be the speaker. They wanted to get him up there in front of everybody so they could be entertained by his struggling attempts to say anything at all. When I found out about it, I was furious, but there was nothing I could do. It did not seem to bother Billy. Somehow he dragged himself up to the rostrum as waves of snickers flowed over the audience. It took Billy almost a half a minute to say, Jesus loves me and I love Jesus. When he finished, when he finished, there was stunned silence. When I looked over my shoulder, I saw that all over the place there were junior high boys with tears streaming down their cheeks. Some of them had their heads bowed. A revival broke out. I'm going to say it again. A revival broke out. We had done many things that week to try to teach the boys with the gospel message, message, but nothing had worked. We had even brought in baseball players whose batting averages had gone up since they had started praying, but it had no effect. It wasn't until a spastic kid named Billy simply declared his love for Jesus that everything changed. I travel a great deal, and it is surprising how often I come upon people who say something like, 
You probably don't remember me. I became a Christian at a junior high camp where you were a counselor. And do you know what the turning point was for me? I don't have to ask. I always know what I'm going to hear. Billy? God doesn't need superstars to declare his word. He loves to take the stone which the builders reject to use as foundation rock for building his kingdom. That little boy with the fish and the loaves. Here. Here. You, t- you take it. And what does Jesus, Jesus do with it? Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they among so many? How will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people, no, yeah, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in this place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Can, can you fathom that? 5,000 people. Oh, let's, okay, guys, let's start passing it out. I mean, how long does it take to pass out Well, it wouldn't take long if there was really just two fish and five loaves. But everybody got some. Everybody got some. Wow. But that's that's the potential that's inside of us because of Jesus. The people that we can influence. I mean, a perfect example is the lady that's in heaven right now, Vera. She influenced so many people, so many people, made a difference in so many people's lives. I, am st- I can honestly say I'm standing in front of you right now, for the most part, because of Vera. She nurtured me and guided me. I, I mean, I shared, I shared yesterday that... Um, and I, you know, I was just out of college. I was, I was just trying to find my career. And I was scared. I was afraid. And, and Vera and my mom, Vera lived in Hope. My mom lived in Surrey. And they were in a glow together. My dad called them the shiny ladies. I shared that. But I wanted to go on holidays. I wanted to have a rest. Well, they decided different. I ended up coming and managing Tilikum. And the, and the part about Tilikum, which is amazing, and I've shared it, sorry, I, was when the group homes were, pardon me, when Rivers, Rivers View was emptying out all their people and putting them in group homes. And it just was terrible. And we're, we are experiencing that poor decision even today. Even today. And, I mean, I... Well, what, I, don't, I don't know if I read this anywhere, but I, you, you never want to sit on the fence with Jesus because you never know where you stand. Because you're sitting on a fence. You're sitting on, I sat on a picket fence for a long time before I realized I was hurting myself. And I had to make the decision to follow Jesus, and I had a lot of people praying for me. My mother's stooped shoulders now and flat knees because she prayed so hard for me. I feel bad. I feel bad. <laughs> but she, 
always loved on me. And, and Vera, too, just, it, just, just was amazing. And, uh, and she started inviting me over for meals at their, at their house. And pretty soon, I was going to a Bible study at her house. And I'm, I remember, that I think the first one I went to, I said, what am I doing here? But I was there, and she influenced, influenced me. I don't know how. Well, I do now. I didn't quite then, but I stayed. And then it, it just grew. Just, just, you know, the, the abilities or the, the chances we have to influence people. And the little Billy, just like the little guy, the little boy with the, you know, fed 5,000. And there was no big deal made about him. You know, sometimes you know, we do stuff, we want a pat on the back. That doesn't, the little boy, oh, here Jesus, I want to see what you do with this. I want to see what you do with this. My mom gave it to me this morning, but uh, you, you take it. I mean, I know I'm kind of making that up, but... That's what happened. There was no comments about, oh, there's a little boy here. You know, he didn't really want to give this, so I grabbed it from him and took it anyway. So here, Jesus, you do it. Oh. Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with a fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. <laughs> Boy, Jesus was so, so good at doing stuff. Why, well, right, Jesus. Just the whole story, the whole picture. I want you to see this all. And I want you to, I want you to start make decisions for yourself, but in, include me in your decisions. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over from those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountains, mountain by himself. Jesus knew that they still didn't have the right attitude. They, oh, hey, this is a good chance for us to get someone who's going to overthrow the, the Romans. Let's go take them by force. And Jesus took off because he knew. Then that's not what he came for, though. What does it say? I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. That's what he came for. Withdrew again to a mountain by himself. He needed, needed some alone time. We need some alone time sometimes. Can't rush around all the time. When you're rushing around too much, you can't always hear that still small voice you're supposed to hear. Praise God. But I, I, I think the I think the main the main thing is that here was uh, you know I read we read about read about Billy. I I have more, but I'm I'm going to stop there. But I I you know this that little boy. Jesus chose Billy to make the difference in others' boys, other boys' lives. And then, if you, you heard that one part, you know, Tony Coppola, you know, years later, is, you know, someone comes up to him and says, Hey, I got saved at that. 
Wow. I mean, it's just like the fish and the loaves. I mean, that, what that little boy did. I mean, we're, we are. We're still talking about it. Because it's a miracle. And in, in one of the commentaries, the, the miracle of the five loaves is the only miracle that's in all of the Gospels. Now that, that was in the commentary. I hope I, that's true. But I thought that was a little amazing. But the other thing was, too, is that it was always a little bit different in each Gospel. Like, in one, in one of them, it said, didn't even say there was a little boy. It just said someone found. But we can make a difference. Don't think you don't make a difference. Don't think that. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get this right, but uh, God spoke to Val, and, and we were talking about when, when we, we pray for people and miracles and stuff, and it was... Be in the now. Be in the now. And, and, and it kind of overlapped. I was sitting at the table, and I was, we were praying over our meal, Jan and Becker there, and I was praying, and I was overwhelmed, and I'll say that I was a little perturbed too, but I said, God, I want some results. <laughs> I want some results. Now. Now. And he's, a, and he's a now God. He's a now God. You can share about um, Vera's granddaughter. I mean, Jan um, is, is defeating <laughs> stage four ovarian cancer. Kara, Vera's daughter, had stage four, what, what was it? It wasn't ovarian cancer. I can't remember. Thyroid. Full of tumors. Not just one tumor. Tumors everywhere. And they got to that place, place too, where, you know, we all want to be healed. But Vera said, no, it's going to happen. And so... They did a test on her before her last chemo. And the doctor comes in the room and says, well, we, we don't have to do the last chemo. Oh, why? Um, and he didn't want to really say it, but he said, uh, the tumors are gone. Tumors are gone. But he didn't believe in Jesus. But that's what we have in Christ. And, and I think... I, I think their comment was that it was just in time. Just in time. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, we thank you for this day. We, oh, God, we, we thank you for your being here with us. Just, just speak to us, Lord. Show us what you want. Jesus always said, I don't do what I want. I do what my Father in heaven wants. Lord, we want to do what God wants. We want to be involved in that. Just show us, reveal that, unction us. And sometimes, Father, you unction us and we don't even know it. And it's beautiful, it's wonderful. And help us to recognize those times so we can, we can praise you. 
I want to thank you for this day. I want to think of Jan, that you're healing her. Thank you, Jesus. Think of my mom. Touch your eyes. Take away the blindness. Strengthen, strengthen Jenny and Carol. Lord, issues at Crystal River. Now. Clean that up. Sort that out. Jesus. Maureen, as she ministers in the prison, give her strength. Give her strength. And wise. Wise, oh boy. I think you've got to be wise there. Jesus, wisdom. Linda, MS. Now's the time, God. Be gone. Jesus. Michelle's knees. Heal them. Heal that cartilage. Whatever it is. Now, Jesus, thank you. Richard's, uh, Richard's hearing. Now. Jesus. Lorraine's hip. She fell recently. Heal her. Now, in Jesus' name. Yes, yes. Brenda's joints. Caleb, Caleb's kidneys. Yes, Lord God. Jesus. Sorry? Yes, yes, yes. Sue and Heather's eyes. Now, in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you. I, I, I want to thank you for the compassion and the fire that Brenda brought today. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Be with Richard as, as, he's, as he's traveling. We miss him. Anyone else? Jesus. Jesus. God, we're done with COVID too. Protect us. Thank you. Thank you again for this time, Father. <laughs> Suzanne, at the end of prayer on Fridays, always says, thank you for time in your presence. Father, thank you for time in your presence today. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Bless the children. Bless Kevin as he, and he, as he ministers to the children. Jesus.
Jesus. Maybe we could close with a song. We'll do Pastor's favorite song, You Restore My Soul. Brian West, if that helps. Mm-hmm. 